Hey, here's a question for you this morning. When shit doesn't work out the way you thought it would or the way you were hoping it would, and by this, when I'm talking about stuff, I'm specifically talking about opportunities in life. Uh, like say you audition for something and you don't make it or you're applying for a new job or maybe you just find yourself in a season like, holy crap, this has never happened to me before, uh, where you just have a time where stuff is just slow. Like the gigs aren't coming in. A situation that you view as an attempt on your part and the response, the seeming response of the universe is that it's a failure. How do you respond to that naturally? What what does your mental self-talk look like? If you're anything like me, <laughs> my, my response to that is just a deep freaking hole of second-guessing myself, ruminating, oh my gosh, maybe I'm not as good as this as I thought. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I, maybe what I have to offer the world isn't as great. This is just like, just, I work myself up so freaking much in these situations. But even more importantly than that, I am really freaking quick to label shit. I know that's not, I, I'm, I, I'm giving myself a break for that because I know that's natural. But years back, I was listening to a lecture by Kurt Vonnegut. Vonnegut? <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut. I was watching a video of him lecturing at a university talking about the shapes of stories in life. And he talked about how Shakespeare's Hamlet teaches us one main thing, and that is we as humans do not have enough information about life to know in the moment if this situation was actually bad or if it was actually good in the long run. And here's what I mean by that. About seven or eight years ago, my music career took this spin like within the span of a month that placed me in a really mentally dark period of time where I went from being being in the middle of one of the greatest uh, gigs and opportunities of my life, traveling the world uh, with my closest friends to that going away, multiple gigs going away, none of it uh, being my fault. All of it was uh, things uh, externally, decisions made by other people just to go in different directions. But long story short, within like a month, all these opportunities just completely disappear from my life. And I find myself in this massive funk, like what the hell is going on? I start like questioning everything. Like I said, I don't know if you're this way, but I like when stuff like that happens to me, I start being like, oh man, I've ever, I'm questioning every single decision I've ever made, being try, the decision to be a musician. Have I wasted all this time in my life? What the hell am I doing? I just found myself in this massive funk. And it was shortly after that that I was listening to a, uh, a conversation with, uh, it wasn't a conversation, it was more of a lecture that Kurt Vonnegut was giving at a university. And he was giving a lecture on the fact that there are only really a handful of different storylines. Like this shit, and he, he like on a blackboard writes down, like makes all these shapes of what happens in different stories and how this story is actually super similar to this story. And it's really fascinating. I, maybe I'm gonna put a link uh, to the video and the talk in the show notes below. Now, in some point of this lecture, he starts diving into Shakespeare's Hamlet, and he talks about how Shakespeare in Hamlet teaches us that we do not know enough about life to be able to tell the good news from bad news in the long term. 
not to say like we, like something happens, we can't say this is good or bad, but in the long-term scheme of things, the flow of Hamlet is just so back and forth that this something that sounds good ends up being bad and bad turns to good. And it's just this realization that we don't have enough of the story yet. Uh, so, okay, so here, here's the example. So here's how the flow of the story of Hamlet works. So Hamlet's dad dies and his mom remarries his dad's brother. So now his uncle and his mom are together and Hamlet's dad all of a sudden shows up as a ghost uh, telling him that it was his dad's brother who's now married to his mom that killed his dad and he told, tells Hamlet that he needs to avenge him by killing his uncle. So Hamlet has this massive existential crisis and uh, he ends up putting on a play, which is actually kind of the brilliance of Hamlet is that it's a play in a, within a play. So he puts on this play and in this play, the goal of it is to decipher whether or not his uncle killed his dad. Turns out he confirms that his uncle kills his dad and he ma makes all these plans to avenge his father's death, but doing so, he accidentally kills his girlfriend's dad. So his girlfriend goes mad because of this, and she ends up, I think she ends up drowning. Uh, and because of that, then now uh, his girlfriend's brother gets together with Hamlet's uncle, who's now married to Hamlet's mom, and they get together to conspire against Hamlet and poison him. While doing this, they accidentally poison Hamlet's mom, and she dies. And then they have like a poison blade that uh, Hamlet and his girlfriend's brother now get in, in a fight with. And Hamlet's sister's brother ends up dying, but he ends up stabbing Hamlet. And Hamlet, the person that put the poison on the blade to kill Hamlet, was actually Hamlet's uncle. And so now Hamlet's dying. And in the, in the throes of death, Hamlet kills his uncle right before Hamlet dies. And it ends with just everybody being dead. Uh, and so, but then, like even besides this is like it, the specifics of the story to me were, weren't wasn't wasn't what was impactful. What was impactful to me was Vonnegut's reminder that we don't have enough of the story at any given point to understand if it's good news or bad news. Okay, I want to be really clear right now, and that is that what I'm not talking about here when it comes to the defining of something as good or bad. I'm not talking about not having judgment in life, the things that happen to us. I'm not talking about genuinely painful things like grief that we experience in our life. Or like, I'm not saying like, oh, someone passes, someone passed away. Do you gotta just view it from the good? Look, see the good in everything. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how quick I am to label shit that happens to me that I view as a failure uh, as negative. It is painful. It is frustrating right now, but in the long scheme of things, okay. I mean, here's a great example. Well, here's one. What I, like I'm talking. What I'm talking about right now is the. It goes back to that old the parable that talks about like the man and the horse, right? Like this guy uh, wins a horse. It's like, oh, that's great news. And he gets on the horse and a week later he falls off the horse and he breaks his back. Oh, and then everybody's like, oh, you getting the horse was a really bad thing now. And uh, he breaks his back. And because of that, a war breaks out and he doesn't get drafted. So he's home from the draft and all his friends that went into the war died. And everybody goes, oh man, you were saved from the war. And the, like the whole, the whole story just goes up and down and switching. Was him getting this horse in the first place a good or bad thing? 
I just know for myself, I'm way too freaking quick to judge. And this podcast is a perfect example of that. This is episode number 300 of the podcast. I'm not making a huge deal of it because I feel like just now, this month, doing these Daily Guinness episodes, the intention I have, the way I'm approaching it, I feel like I've just now discovered my voice within the medium. And right now, I'm, I'm more pumped about doing the podcast than I ever have before. So I'm more looking forward than I am looking backwards at this moment right now. But this podcast wouldn't exist right now if it weren't for the shit happening in my past. Me going from like this really great opportunities to all of that going away and me getting super existential and like thinking about what am I going to do next? I need some creative outlet. That out of a really negative quote, negative, yeah, something I have said was negative in my life came something really beautiful, positive, and meaningful along with a shitload of other things in my life that I'm really grateful for that happened within the slow moments that I was bummed about in my career. I don't know, looking backwards, I'm actually super grateful for it. And that's not like, again, this isn't like super self-helpy bullshit. It's genuine. I feel this way. So uh, I'm going to end it with this. This morning, uh, what made me think about the, all this again is I was developing a few rolls of film. And while I was doing that, I was listening to a podcast episode where Conan O'Brien back in 2019 interviewed Stephen Colbert. And what I uh, hadn't known is that Colbert had actually applied to be a writer on uh, Conan O'Brien's show. And he had sent in a packet and he got denied and turned down. And he instantly, just like I would have, was like, oh, this is a negative thing. I didn't get this gig. Um, and I'm super bummed out. But in this episode, Conan O'Brien talks about, well, like, man, I'm actually super grateful you didn't get this gig being hired by me because you wouldn't have, it wouldn't have led to all the other things that happened in your life. So I'm going to end with this a segment from that podcast conversation. If you want to hear the whole thing, I think it's freaking brilliant. The I'll put a link to it in the website show notes. If you click on the link below, I'll have that. I'll have the Kurt, Ga Kurt Vonnegut. Pfft, can't even talk right now. Kurt Vonnegut's conversation, his lecture. Here is the conversation, a segment, a snippet, an amuse-bouche, a hors d'oeuvre of the conversation between Conan O'Brien and Stephen Colbert. Here's something I'm going to tell you, Stephen, that I believe sincerely. It would have been the worst thing in your life to be hired by me because you, and I, also, I, I believe this 100%, I uh, very much, my biggest, biggest uh, dream in 1985 was to be a writer for David Letterman on his late night show. Mm. And I thought that my entire destiny depended on whether or not I got that gig. I sent in a packet I really liked. Apparently they really liked it and it came down between me and one other guy mm -hmm. and they went with the other guy. And when I got that phone call from Steve O'Donnell, I thought my life was, I really did think my comedy life is over. Sure. I now realize that had I worked for Dave, I wouldn't have gone to SNL. Lauren wouldn't have seen me. I wouldn't have been plucked foolishly to replace Letterman in 93 and my improbable career never would have happened. If the thing that I wanted most had happened at that point, I wouldn't be where I am. And I really do believe that it's not getting the thing that you want that leads to you going on and Daily Show, Colbert Rapport, you know, uh, and then this show, not working for me is the greatest thing that ever happened to you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I see that now. Yeah. And in fact- yeah. I've yeah. always suspected it. Yeah. But to hear it from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And what a bullet I dodged. You dodged a Good bullet. Good Lord. And also, I'm a monster. <laughs> I'm a genuine monster. Rob Morgan is an internationally touring bassist on a journey to discover what it means to live a curious life. At thecuriouspod.com, you'll find an archive of conversations reported all over the world, a map of recording locations, a weekly newsletter, and official podcast merchandise. Rob is recording a daily podcast where he's sharing insights into the creative journey and the secrets to living a curious life that he's discovered from over a decade of traveling the world with music. We here at Curious Endeavors have told him this is probably a mistake and he's an idiot to attempt it, but he won't budge. So that's where we're currently at. We hope you'll enjoy. 